from sin. Fulfill thy word and make me pure within. Fill me with fire where once I burn with shame. Grant my desire to your Bibles, take them to the book of Acts, chapter 26. I want to talk to you this morning about the motivated Christian life, the motivated Christian life. How can we be motivated to continue on serving the Lord Jesus Christ, living for the Lord Jesus Christ, living after the principles and standards of the Word of God? I'd like to read, uh, it's a lengthy uh, scripture reading this morning, but I want to make sure that we're in proper context here. So Acts chapter 26, verses 1 through 23, we'll read these together, and then we'll have a word of prayer and get into our lesson this morning. It says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Paul is standing before King Agrippa at this time, and he's going to give an answer for what's going on in his life and what has happened. It says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among my own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify, that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come, for which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? For I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Paul talking about his life prior to salvation. Which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I, had, I heard a voice speaking unto me, and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, 
and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and the, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus, and at Jerusalem, and throughout all the coast of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, and do works meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple, and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both the small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead, and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. Ending there in verse 23, this wonderful, wonderful testimony of the Apostle Paul as he stood before King Agrippa, giving an answer for what the process of what was going on at that time. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll start in our message this morning. Heavenly Father, we again come to you in the name of Jesus, thanking you for the word of God, thanking you for the power of the word of God. And Father, as we look into Acts here this morning, Acts 26, I pray that you would bless, Father, that you would use me to preach your word with boldness and compassion. And Father, help these men and women here this morning receive the word of God, and that we would at this time make a decision that as we hear from you, we will submit to the word of God, that you would help us make good godly decisions. Father, that you would stir our hearts this morning, that you would change us because of the preaching of your word. And Father, again, we want to thank you for your love and forgiveness. We want to thank you for your mercy and your grace. And Father, we just want your will done this morning. We want you to be edified and glorified. So work in our midst, please, Heavenly Father. Have your will and way. Spirit of God, work in our midst this morning. For we ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I believe most of us would state this morning or have an opinion that Paul, the Apostle Paul, obviously starting off as Saul, as we see here in this text, in Acts 26, when the Lord gave him the name Paul, we would all agree probably that Paul was an extraordinary individual. Uh, the Apostle Paul probably was one of the greatest Christians that walked the earth. And as we see this, there's other great men and women of God that have done wonderful things. But I believe that every Christian is a great Christian if they're desiring to fulfill the will of God in their life. They may not receive the notoriety that the Apostle Paul received. They may not receive the notoriety because they're not in front of the congregation as a pastor may receive. But my friends, if you're doing the will of God in your life, my friends, you're a great Christian. You're doing what God would have you to do. You're up there with the Apostle Paul. You're up there with Abraham. You're up there uh, with Joseph. These other. If you're doing the will of God in your life, but the Apostle Paul amongst other great men, uh, did some wonderful things for the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I started out in my Christian walk, I looked for people to pattern my life after. And one of the people that I wanted to pattern my life after as a saved individual was the Apostle Paul. 
the Apostle Paul basically wrote most uh, a lot of the New Testament, 13 or 14 books, depending on who you contribute the book of Hebrews to. The Apostle Paul was a missionary. The Apostle Paul was a church planner. The Apostle Paul was a soul winner. I mean, these are wonderful attributes uh, of a man of God, of, of a man that is, is a saved individual. And I looked at the Apostle Paul and said, I'd like to pattern my life after the Apostle Paul. Obviously, ultimately, uh, uh, pattern my life after Jesus Christ. But we use people for examples uh, in, as we walk this walk of, of life for the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul had a bold testimony of the standards of the Word of God. The Apostle Paul was a compassionate man, uh, but he was straightforward. He, he said what the Word of God says, and he stood true to the Word of God. And my friends, we need men and women of this caliber today, just not in old times, but today. I know that, as I said, there was the Apostle Paul that I looked to as an example but there was also some men in my life at the time as I was growing up, and even today, I look at these men, most of them have passed away, but looked at their life of faith in Jesus Christ and said, I'd like to pattern my life after that individual, that preacher that got up and with compassion and boldness preached the Word of God, loved his people, was a soul winner, was compassionate about uh, his, his walk with the Lord, was passionate about his life for the Lord Jesus Christ and said, I'd like to pattern my life after that person as that person patterns his life after the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that you've had, you have some people in your mind that you say, you know what, as that person follows Christ, I'd like to be like that person. I'd like to be a soul winner like that person. I'd like to be a preacher or a teacher or be compassionate as that person is, be encouraging as that person is. I know when I went through medical school and got into my internship and residency, I looked for other doctors that I could pattern my practice after. And I, there were probably, I look at five main doctors that I was under as a resident and thought these individuals were just extremely intellectual, smart individuals, and I saw how they treated their patients. I saw how they ran their practice, how they treated their employees. And I would tell myself, that's how I want to do things. And I would look at them and look at them and I would learn of them. I know that when, uh, when Linda and I were married almost 31 years ago, I looked at other people and, and other men, how they treated their wives. And I wanted to pattern my life after certain men because I saw them treat their wives wonderfully in a loving manner, in a compassionate way. And I told myself, that's what I want to do with Linda. I want to treat her compassionately and lovingly and caring. Uh, and then on the flip side of that coin, there were some men that I saw that treated their wives, in my opinion, in a very harsh, mean, unloving way. And I told myself, I'm learning from them on how not to treat my wife. There were some doctors that trained me as a resident that the, the five that I talked about 
that I wanted to pattern my practice after and be like them as a physician, there were some that I stood back and as I watched them look at their patients, take care of their patients, look at their bedside manner, look how they treated their employees, look how they ran their practice, and I would tell myself, George, don't be like them. And so it can kind of go both ways. But when we look at the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul was an extraordinary individual, a great Christian, and we should learn from how he operated, how God moved in his life. And as I was thinking about it, as we go on, we in our Christian walk, all of us have to fight against indifference and apathy. We can become casual uh, to our Christian walk, and we can find ourselves very slowly, very in a very insidious way, moving away from the Lord little by little, but after a year or two or five years, those little steps over time have taken us a great distance away from where we should be in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I was thinking about this as we look at the Apostle Paul's life, because the Apostle Paul had a very consistent, what I can see in the Word of God, a very consistent Christian life. He was very motivated uh, in his Christian walk, and so I, I, I like to look and pattern my life after the Apostle Paul, as he did after Christ, and find out what motivated the Apostle Paul to keep him serving diligently, passionately, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I looked in Acts chapter 26, going through this passage of Scripture, the Bible, I believe, gives us a few things that Paul thought on on a regular basis. I believe Paul constantly remembered certain things, and these things that he thought on, these things that he remembered, motivated him to stay passionate for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I'm sure, I'm sure there's some in here this morning that would testify that their passion for Christ has lessened, that the flame in their life for the Lord Jesus Christ has lessened. And I believe if we look at these things that motivated the Apostle Paul, that we can regain that passion, we can regain that fiery flame in our soul. As I told the Sunday school class, that we can be stirred uh, in our hearts by the Word of God so that we can have that intensity again for Christ, that we can have that passion for Christ and not allow that flame to diminish in our life when it comes to serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let me share with you three things that I find in Acts chapter 26 that I believe, as testified by Paul, that he thought on often and he remembered on a regular basis. The first one is his conversion. The first one is his conversion. We find this in verses 9 through 18. I'm not going to take the time uh, to read those again. We'll look at a few short portions of this passage again as we go through this, but Paul remembered his conversion. Never forget the day that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Never forget that day. That should be, in your mind, a glorious day. The day when you pass from death unto life. The day that 
You trusted Christ as your Savior, and hell was no longer your future, but heaven was your future. Paul remembered his conversion on a regular basis, and I believe that if we remember our conversion, remember that day that the Lord saved us, that will help motivate us to stay passionate and diligent for the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul remembered that he once was a lost sinner. And my friends, you and I need to remember that we were not born saved. That there was a time in our life where we were lost and undone. And we were on our way to hell. Paul remembered that. I remember, I told you last Sunday night my testimony. I've shared it with the Sunday school class and I've shared it with the church body uh, often because I believe that helps motivate me when I talk about my conversion, when I talk about the day that I trusted Christ. And as I've listened over the many years that I've been a child of God, as I've listened to some great men teach and preach the Word of God, one thing I find consistent in their teaching and preaching, they reference their day of salvation often. They talk about it often. And they remember that they were a past sinner. I remember at the age of 13, my friends battling for a few years whether I was saved or not because I grew up in a pastor's home. I grew up in church. I could take a test and pass when it comes to salvation. What do you do to have to be saved? Well, I, what do you have to do to be saved? Number one, you've got to realize you're a sinner. Number two, you've got to repent of that sin. Number three, you have to place faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God who paid my sin debt price. Uh, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made. I could have written an essay. I could have taken a test and passed. But that's not going to get me to heaven, passing a test or writing an essay. But it's when in my heart I believed, and with my mouth I made confession. Remember that day, my friends. Paul remembered his, his lost estate. I remember back at 11 and 12 as I was battling this, that I realized if I wasn't saved, that hell was my future and how terrifying that was to me. But now how wonderful it is that I don't have to worry about that anymore. Paul remembered he was a lost sinner. Paul remembered his intense hatred that he had against Jesus Christ. It says in verse 9 and 10, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, and having received authority from the chief priest, and when they were put to death. So not only did he shut them up in prison, but he had many Christians put to death. I gave my voice against them. He says in verse 11, I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. Paul remembered his lost estate. He remembered this intense hatred he had for Christ and for those that followed Jesus Christ. And he remembered the cruelty that he propagated on these people. He remembered his past state, but he also remembered his present state. Now he was a saved man. He was a saved sinner. That those things that uh, he had done in the past, uh, being a lost sinner, having an intense hatred, and the cruelty that he performed against these people were all in the past now. And thank God for all the stupid, crazy, ungodly things we've done 
that they're in the past, they're under the blood of Jesus Christ, never to be remembered. I will not have to answer for those things, praise God. They're all under the blood of Jesus Christ. And I stand before God the Father justified and sanctified and reconciled through the working of Jesus Christ. And with the Apostle Paul, as it is with my life, as it is with your life, this is all possible only by the grace of God. Not of anything that we have done, for uh, we are not saved by works as we know, but by the grace of God. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ through the grace of God. God took him from his first position, which was a sinner on his way to hell, and placed him in a new position, which was on his way to heaven in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul told Timothy in chapter 1 of 1 Timothy chapter 14, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Jesus. Paul made, if you read the book of Acts and you read the epistles that the apostle Paul wrote, he makes constant mention of his conversion. I believe the apostle Paul couldn't get over it. Have you gotten over your salvation? You shouldn't. It's a wonderful thing. Don't get over that day. Boy, when I remember hearing the gospel message, finally, the Lord allowed me to understand, finally, that I was lost and I needed to be saved. I remember that, and what a glorious feeling that was when I realized I was lost and needed to be saved and then accepting Jesus Christ as my Savior. And then now I don't have to worry about hell. I have heaven as my home. I'll be with Jesus Christ uh, forever and forever and forever. Never get over that. I know when I met Linda back in 1985 and then eventually getting married in 86, I couldn't get over the fact that someone like her would actually care about me and love me. Amen, men, some of you? A lot of us have married at a higher level than what we should have. And I'm going to tell you, it's been, it'll, it's, it'll be 31 years that we've been married this December 27 of, of this year, 2017, and I've not gotten over the fact that she's my wife. I, I'm still infatuated. I'm still totally in love with her. And I think back on that day when we met and think about our dating and think about our, uh, our uh, engagement and think about the marriage that we had. And I, I'll still, even today when we're sitting next to each other, I'll glance over and look at her and say, I can't believe she's my wife. Well, when I look at this book, I say, I can't believe I'm saved. I can't believe I'm a child of God. I can't get over it, my friends. I don't want to get over it. I'm a child of God. I'm a saint. I'm on my way to heaven. I am secure in Jesus Christ. Never forget that, my friends. If you're a child of God, savor that moment. Live for that moment. Remember that moment. Think on that moment. Never get over your salvation, what happened with you when you got saved. Because Paul realized that forgetting his salvation moment, his conversion, would make him unprofitable. Peter, 
in his second book, in chapter 1, verse 9, talking to the people that he was writing to, said, and talking about those that forget their, their conversion uh, or don't remember it or don't think on it often, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. The Bible tells us it's possible to forget about that. Oh, remember, please, the wonderful state you are right now in and the blessed home you have with Jesus Christ. If your Christian life is somewhat anemic, somewhat lethargic, apathy has entered in, my friends, constantly remind yourself of the day you accepted Christ as your Savior. I try my best every morning when I get up to thank God that I'm saved. Thank God I'm on my way to heaven. Thank God he's my father. Thank Jesus Christ that he's my savior. And in that, remember that time when I was 13 and all the uncertainty and all the fear that was in my life. And now that uncertainty and that fear is gone. And there is peace and satisfaction and joy and fulfillment because I now know that I am saved and I am saved forever. And that motivates me to live for the Lord. So not only did the Apostle Paul here in Acts 26 remember his conversion, secondly, he remembered his commission. He remembered his commission. Look here in uh, verse 16. This is Jesus talking to Paul after he was saved or on the road to Damascus. But rise, in verse 16, and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. So what was the purpose that Jesus came to Paul? To save him and to make him or make thee a minister and a witness. Paul received a commission and I believe you and I as children of God have also received a commission to be ministers and a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to be a minister to the saved. We need to nurture other saved men and women as in their spiritual development. We need to be an encouragement to each other. We need to be a help to each other. God forbid if we're a stumbling block to each other. We need to be helping one another, praying for one another. And the Apostle Paul consistently, constantly remembered his commission that he was to be a help and an encouragement to other saved men and women. Not jealous of what they had. Not jealous of the ministry that God gave them. But there to help and encourage and support them. That's what people need. People don't need criticism, condemnation. People need love and encouragement and support in the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only was he to be a minister to the saved, uh, but he was to be a witness to the lost. And my friends, as a child of God, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you, regardless if you realized it or not, enlisted in the army of God. Or some would say the navy of God, depending on their bias. One man's took me aside after preaching this one time and said, well, it's not the army of God, it's the navy of God. So that's why I throw that in there, or the Marines of God, or the Air Force of God, or the National Guard of God, or the Coast Guard of God, or I'm trying to cover all my bases so someone doesn't have another 
possibility, but you enlisted, may I say, in the military of God. And we, all of us in here, are to be witnesses for the cause of Christ. There's no, there's no exemption from that. We are to be a minister to the saved, to encourage them, to help them, to support them, and we are to be witnesses for the cause of Christ to those that are lost. All of us have received this directive from God, as Paul did, to be a minister and a witness. When we remember this awesome task, because sometimes we'll forget what we're here for. We get so encumbered by the world and all that is pressing in on us that we forget that our directive from God is to be a minister to the saved and a witness to the lost. But when we remember this awesome task that has been given to all of us the, and the eternal consequences associated with us, with it, it will motivate us to be that minister. It will motivate us to be that witness because Paul told the Colossians in, in chapter 3 of uh, uh, verse 2 of that book, set your affection on things above. Put off the things of this world and set your affections on things above. And those certainly some of those affections are being a minister, an encouragement, a help, a support to other saved people so that the will of God is done in their life. And then secondly, to be a witness to the lost. Because my friends, there's people out there right now that are searching for the answer. And we have that answer in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be busy giving that answer out whether it be laying tracts out, verbally telling them about the gospel of Jesus Christ, living before them a godly life, somehow, some way, getting that gospel message out to them. We need to remember our conversion. Please never get tired of the fact that you're saved. Never get tired of it or complacent or catch, oh, yeah, I'm a child of God. Yeah, 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 I'm on my way to heaven. Do you realize the potential that could have happened? Could, do, you, do you realize that you may have not been with Christ? That you, you may have hell as your home forever and ever? Don't allow that to become casual or become complacent about that, but get excited about it. And as Pastor Lytell has told us before, that he'll, he'll never get over that day that he was saved. I'll never get over that January 14, 1979, when I finally realized I was lost and in need of salvation and accepted Christ as my Savior. Never get over that, just like I never get over Linda being my wife. And then think about and remember the commission that we've been given, to be a minister and a witness. Thirdly and lastly, not only are we to remember our conversion and our commission, Paul remembered his commitment. It says in verse 19, talking to King Agrippa, Paul made a commitment and he fulfilled it. He said, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. This is a very serious matter, my friends. Many today are afraid to make a commitment. We see that in our society when it comes to marriage. You know, we'll just live together and make no commitment. That's against God's word. But people are afraid to make commitment. Uh, People have a hard time promising anything anymore. 
people's word is diminished. Many today are afraid to make a commitment, but this is the only way that you can be saved if you make a commitment to Christ. And it's the only way that you can live the life God wants you to live is by making a commitment to God. That God, I committed my soul to you in salvation. And you've given me a commission to be a witness and a minister. And I'm going to commit my life to being that minister and that witness. Now when you make that commitment, I'm going to let you know from personal experience and from the Bible that the road of commitment is filled with difficulties. Look at verse 21. Paul in verse 19 says, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. And then he comes to verse 21. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. When you commit to Jesus Christ, you ruffle the tail feathers of the devil. He doesn't like that at all. And he's going to send everything he can against you to get you to break that commitment or not live that commitment that you want to make to God. But my friends, there's no reason to quit God. What are you going to go back to? Sin? Uncertainty? Fear? There's nothing to go back to. And also, God doesn't bless quitters. But what do we need? We need what verse 22 tells us. Paul says, having obtained help of God, I continue unto this day. God will help us when we make a commitment to him. How many of you have made a commitment to God? God, I'm going to be a minister. I, I want to help my brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to be an encouragement to them. I want to be a support for them. I want to pray for them. I want to help them. And I want to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. I commit today to doing the will of God in my life. I commit today to uh, be in the word of God. I commit today to praying for myself, my family, my church family, for others that are burdened, others that are sick, others that are having difficult time. I commit to my church. I commit uh, my life to you, Jesus Christ, to do with my life whatever you want done with my life. But when you make that commitment, difficulties will follow. They say new levels of Christianity, new devils. New levels, new devils. The devil will throw stuff at you, my friend, to try to discourage you. But in verse 22, God will not leave us on the side. God says through the apostle Paul, I obtained help from God. And that's exactly what we need to stand with our commitment. We need the help of God to do that. And then he goes on to say in verse 22 that he's not going to quit. But Paul said... I continue unto this day. You just keep on going no matter the difficulties, no matter the hardships, no matter what the devil may throw in your way, you obtain help of God and you continue unto this day. That's how firm you are in your commitment. And when you remember your conversion, when you remember the commission that God's given all of us, when you remember your commitment that you've made to God, and you do it on a regular basis, 
I believe like it did in the Apostle Paul's life, it will in our life, it will motivate us to stay true to God. It will motivate us to do God's will. I know that this is a simple prescription, but my friends, salvation is quite simple, isn't it? I marvel at God's wisdom and how a, uh, an infinitely wise God can make things simple enough for us to understand. See, God could have come across and wrote a book that we didn't understand. But he wrote a book that we can understand as the Holy Spirit guides us. And salvation is not anything difficult. It is because of pride, but understanding, as I said, we need to realize we're sinners in need of a Savior. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God himself, paid our sin debt price. We, by faith, believe in him, and that's salvation. And so is this, remembering our conversion, remembering the commission we've been given, and remembering our commitment. The problem is not the Bible. The problem is not God. The problem is us complying to the Word of God. It's like a man that I have in my practice right now that has a relatively significant medical problem going on that if he would follow my plan of treatment, my prescription, the problem would resolve more than likely. And I tell him, would you just listen to me and do what I'm asking you to do? And things should get better. I tell that to my wife and my kids, and they don't listen all the time either. Just listen to me, please, and things will be good. It's a simple prescription, sometimes difficult to follow. But this man, and it drives me insane, will do part of what I ask, but not all. And then he'll come back and say, the problem's not resolved. And I want to, on his head, and say, what don't you understand? You didn't do what I said. You did part of it, but not all of it. And because you did part of it, the effect is not going to be realized, and therefore the problem is still going to be there. You've got to follow the prescription. And we, in the spiritual sense of life, have to follow the prescription of salvation, and we have to follow the prescription of remembering, for us that are saved, remembering our conversion, remembering the commission we've been given to God by God, and remember the commitment that we made to God maybe a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, ten years ago, and remembering those things help that motivate us to continue on for Christ. Now, there might be someone here this morning that's never made that commitment to serve Christ. And I beg of you this morning to make that commitment. That's the only way a child of God can be satisfied and fulfilled when you're sold out to Jesus Christ. But I want all of us in here to be motivated more so now than we were when we came in because we think about, oh, the blessed day that we were saved. No more did I have to worry about hell. 
No more did I have that fear and uncertainty of my eternal destiny. But that was nailed down when I accepted Christ as my Savior. And remember the commission that we've been given, my friends, to be a minister and a witness. And then have you committed yourself to the cause of Christ? To be that minister? To be that witness? Some might say that I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, so I have nothing to think about in regards to my conversion. Well, I'm telling you that today, July 30, 2017, as much as, July, as, much as January 14, 1979 means to me, July 30 of 2017 can mean that much to you if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. A week from now, you can look back and you can remember your conversion today. A month from now, you can look back on this day and remember your conversion. A year from now, 10 years from now, uh, for me, I forget, it's been 39 years, but I look back and I've not gotten over it. Don't get over it, my friends. But if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior this morning, let us share with you through the Word of God how you can know that you're a child of God. Get rid of that fear. Get rid of that uncertainty. And, and have the certainty, have the assurance that heaven is your home forever and ever. And so, let's all have a more motivated Christian walk, Christian life, as we remember our conversion, remember the commission we've been given, and remember the commitment that we've made to Jesus Christ to do His will. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for the wonderful, wonderful word of God. And Father, thank you for the salvation that you've provided through your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray here this morning that if there be a young person, a young adult, middle-aged adult, older adult, whatever class they're in right now, that is uncertain of where they would spend eternity. May they come and take us by the hand this morning, a lady with a lady, a man with a man, and allow us to share with them through the word of God how they can know for certainty that they're a child of God on their way to heaven. And Father, for your children here this morning, maybe some of us may need to kneel at an old-fashioned altar. Maybe some of us need to kneel in our heart, at our seats, and remember that day that we were saved. And remember the commission we've been given, and remember the commitment that we made to you one day. But there might be a child of God here that's never really made a commitment to live for you, and I pray that you'd work in their hearts, and that today they would nail it down that they're going to commit to the will of God in their life. So, Father, whatever need is in the individual's life, I pray that you would work in that individual. As I've already prayed, that you would give us wisdom and understanding to make good godly decisions. And that all that's going to be done during this invitation time, that, it would give you all, that we would give you all the honor, glory, and all the praise. So work in our midst, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, 
Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.